the shear, the refush lema, right? The refush name of four Alexander Yaakov, Alexander Yaakov ben, ben Malka. So yeah, so thank you. And yet, as the Shem, you should have a refush lema b'karov. So Pashas Re'eh is filled with mitzvahs, a parasha that just keeps going. There's, we can't do what we did last week, to go through even just a cursory overview of each mitzvah would take probably a day. So that we can't do. So we're just going to focus on a few points. We're not going to talk about Shechita, Vela, Ibnachai. All these things we're not going to talk about. Let's talk about something very interesting. It's not very PC, but it is interesting. Sarah speaks about... Let's start with a little of Avodah Yishomer Lecha... This is... Perkid Be'ez, Pasuk, Lamed, and Lamed Aleph. Yishomer Lecha, Pen, Tinokesh, Achareihem. Achare, Hishomdom, Yiponecho. Guard yourselves, lest you stumble after them after they are destroyed from before you. So the Jewish people are going to go into the land of Israel. The plan is to eradicate idolatry. And still the concern is that the allure of idolatry can grab a person. Lest your heart be drawn to seek after their gods. And you might say, how can I serve like these nations serve their gods? I also want to try it. It's interesting. Man has a drive to service. And Abad Zara is a perversion of that drive. It's a service of a false or many false gods. And that is a big risk, even if you might think it's benign. What's wrong with looking after and examining a failed system? They've already been wiped out as a society. Still, we are warned the allure of idolatry is such that it can draw a person in. A person can never let their guard down. Lo Do not do so to the Lord your God, for all of the abominations of God have they done, and God hates them, they have done for their gods, for even their sons and daughters have they burned in fire to their gods. Human sacrifice. You want to know about idolatry, the core evil of idolatry, the draw of idolatry can lead a person literally to child sacrifice. Rashi quotes, it's not only child sacrifice, it's a two-way street. Why does it say also their children? Parent sacrifice. Maybe that's something our generation could relate to more. Vimosam, fathers and mothers. Not just the fathers. Parents, fathers and mothers. 
Amr Bikiva Nira Isi Gayachat. Rabbi Kiva testifies, I saw one Gentile, Shekovsla Aviv, Lifnek Chalbo, Vachla. He tied up his father before his dog, and he ate him. The Safri. So, the dog ate this man's father. This is an idolater, and he tied up his, his father before his dog, and that was supper for the dog. Terrible abomination. Toavas Adonai, Asher Sone. It's an abomination that is hated. Sone, that is hated. They have done for their gods. So, you'd think idolatry might offer some benefits. The, the allure, allure of idolatry is have your cake and eat it too. That is the idea of idolatry. Choose the winning horse. This team is, is winning. And you just do some placation to the winning team, and you can ride on the coattails of that and do whatever you want. So you can gain all the goods and benefits. Just pick the right horse. So there's no fidelity per se. It's worship of power, conflicting powers, a pantheon of different gods. See who's winning at any given time. And offer them a parent, a child. Show that you mean it and reap the benefits. At its core, it's the ultimate of cruelty, idolatry. No moral fiber whatsoever. That is the ultimate of idolatry. Child sacrifice, parent sacrifice. That's in, in modern times as well. We have this conflict. Don't think that this doesn't apply nowadays. Modern times, people feel that they have the right to choose what they want to do in a way that can conflict with another human life. And they feel that that's an infringement on their religious rights within the laws of the land. But in fact, the laws of the land do not tolerate child sacrifice, or parent sacrifice, mind you, that is not tolerable, protected by the right to worship by one's conscience in this country, there are some parameters. But within true idolatry, there are no parameters whatsoever. Sacrifice the children, sacrifice the parents. And then it Siv speaks out, also in a, a way that perhaps is more resonant in, in the modern era. Ask your financial planner. He will tell you having children is a bad idea. It's not good for your finances. You know how much children cost in America? I mean, if, you know, if you're in Ethiopia, it's not too expensive. But if you're in America, you know how it costs to raise a child from you know, bef before the first diaper till you know, whenever you're done, if, if that ever happens. Don't tell me. <laughs> exactly. That's what the financial planners say. It doesn't make sense. No financial sense. So, Dividends later on? What was that? Dividends when they grow up? Dividends. Okay, okay. Possibly. But you know, with inflation these days. So we're not your 401k? So then it says, even if it would be true that the sacrifice of one's children for Parnassa, even if it would be true, 
it is still an abomination before God. That's not what God wants us to do. We have contrasting with the idolatrous family vision a discussion of what the Torah has to say. Also in this parasha, a lot of points over here that relate to familial relationships. The laws of Masis, a little bit further in the parasha, Gimel. We have the discussion of arising a prophet, self-proclaimed false prophet, or a dreamer, who says he's got a sign, he gives you the sign, and it comes true. Let's go and serve other gods. You've not known these gods, let us serve them. We're not allowed to do that. We need to serve God with our whole hearts, our whole souls. I remember Rabbi Stuhlberger, I think we were at some amusement park, and somebody approached him. At that time, I was in high school, he was clean-shaven, and a missionary came over to him and said, accept Yashka. He's the man, he's the God, whatever they were saying. And he said, did, did you ever read the Bible? And he quoted him these verses. He says, the Torah speaks about this. We have a contract with God. It says this is going to happen. The guy is going to show you, look, I can walk on water and do tricks. It's great. And you're supposed to kill the guy, stone the guy. He's telling you to worship idols, to worship a man. This is all laid out in our contract with God. So we've, we've heard about this. We were warned about this. He said, are you a rabbi? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I ran off. So the, the verses speak about Masis, not just a charismatic leader, but within the family. Pasuk Zion. Ayud Gimel Zion. Kisischa achicha ben imecha. Hasata is enticement. If you shall be enticed by your brother, the son of your mother, ovincha or your son, ovitcha or your daughter, o eishes chekecha or the wife of your bosom, o reach asher kenavshecha or your friend that is like your soul, your own soul, your best friend, baseiser in hiding. This is a private conversation, and he's trying to convince, or she's trying to convince. Say, let us go. Let us worship foreign gods. That you have not known, nor have your forefathers known. The enticement is to reject the Messiahs. I know what your, your forefathers said. This this is family over here. And remarkably, Asher Kenafshecha, Rashi quotes a Sifri. Who is that? Ze Avicha. This is your father. 
Who is Recha, your friend, that is like your very own soul? It is your father. If your father says, come, let's go do idolatry. Not like what your father, meaning your grandfather, has taught us. Let's skip what grandpa, grandpa said. Let's go and do idolatry. So the Torah has a whole slew of mitzvahs that are listed in the 613. You're not allowed to love him. You're not listen to him. Do not have pity upon him. Don't have, have any mercy on him. Do not cover over him. Do not be silent. You shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be on him first. To kill him. In court, of course. In the Bezdin. Then everybody else afterwards. This is a very severe crime to be Mesis. Stoning. So the Torah tells us how we need to guard the Mesaris of Avosacha, of our ancestors. That is our lifeline. Olam Ha'emes from Haba, our connection to Kaddish Baruch Hu, to eternal life, and Garol Mahti Minahargo, the one who takes a person out of true living, being connected to God, is more heinous than one who actually kills him. The the crime of hasata, of trying to, instead of doing kiruv, doing rikhuk, trying to convince people to come away from God, that crime is so severe, we have all of these mitzvot concerning it, it's a capital offense, hasata. So, the Baal Turm over here says, kenafshecha, like your soul, which the Sifri, as Rashi quotes, means this is your father, your friend, like your soul. He quotes the Gemara in Chulin, Daftaladam Abayz, Asher Kenafshecha, Kenafshecha Savecha. Hainu de'isa v'chulin, ein hasata b'dvarin. True hasata doesn't happen with words alone. It's not enough. You want to convince somebody, draw somebody in, the words are not enough. And the verse says, It says, Like your soul, you shall be sated. The verse later on, 23-25. So too over here, when it says, It's in the same vein. Here, the one committing hasata, the one that's trying to lure the person to commit idolatry is like your soul. But in order to really do hasata, it has to be like your soul to your satiation. In order to get the job done, to really do hasata, it has to be with food and drink. That is the way to do hasata. So I'm sure everybody knows in the industry, it's not just enough to have a good drasha. You have to have some cholent. 
some keyword over here is keyword cow, has to be some, wanna bring somebody in, it doesn't just happen by words, it has to incorporate speaking to the stomach to be a full immersion experience. And it, it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? It's, it could be used for tov, it could be used for ra, to know this is what draws a person in. The Chachamim know this, and we have all sorts of restrictions. Yainesach, Bishol Akum, because a person can be drawn into intermarriage by, hey, you're, you're making a lachaim with, with your you know, idolater neighbor, and before you know it, you're marrying his daughter. Right? That's, that's how it's drawn in, through the stomach. It's not just the army that goes on its stomach, an individual also is drawn in through nafshachot, through the soul in this level, on a very salvechot, through satiation. Who's the first to engage in this tactic? Well, the nachash. The nachash, yes. The nachash. Way back when in Bereshit's he was incorporating a nice meal, an enticing meal. He had some words. It's a drush over there. He's got a whole plan. He's the Mesis. The Nochash Kadmon. And he was very clever. It's hard to testify he was clever. Let's take a look at Atosus that I think is relevant to understanding the argument of the Nachash. Because it's a very clever argument. In fact, it's so clever, if you look at the verses, it's quite surprising. God does not respond, does not, does not give the Nachashib a chance to talk. He asks, you no, know, uh, but the Nachash just gets the punishment. He doesn't get a chance to open up his tricky mouth to try and defend himself, to deflect, Nothing. He just off with his leg. Why is that? It's a little odd, no? Where's the justice? So we do see all these commands about Amasis that we're not supposed to pursue any type of mercy on one who engages in hasat, trying to entice away from God. But still, what is God afraid of? Well, what's the Nachash going to say already? I'm sure God has an answer back. So let's take a look at Tosfos in Kedushin Nem Gimel Amin Aleph. Shalomat Sina B'chol HaTorah Kula Zenenev Zemizchayev. We've not found in the entire Torah. There's a quote from the Gemara that one drives pleasure, and the other is liable. Torah says, "Don't eat chazer." So, if Ploni eats chazer. Ploni gets the lashes. If his buddy says, "I dare you to eat chazer." He doesn't get the lashes. The guy who ate the chazer gets the lashes. Right? That, that's very straightforward. You look in all the Torah. doesn't happen. The guy who enjoys the crime, he has to suffer the consequences of that. I found an exception, Tosa says. If the Gizbar, the treasurer of Hektish, so he's in charge of all the holy properties, the temple, 
monies and, and goods. So if he says to an agent, eat this loaf that is consecrated. And the guy who's eating it doesn't know that the treasure of Hektish is a Schlechter Mensch. He's tricking him. And he says, hey, the treasurer is giving me a loaf of bread. Sure, thank you. And he eats it. The Chayev HaMeshalech. Who is liable for the Me'ilah? This sin of stealing from Hektish. Chaim says that Me'ilah is stealing, but instead of from a head, it's from Hektish. The one who's Chayev is the Mishalech, the one who sent. So in this case, the Gizbar. When he says, you eat that loaf of bread. So who is liable? The treasurer. He didn't eat the bread, and he's going to be stuck paying the price. Why is that? Who ate the bread is the unsuspecting guy who says, the, the treasurer of Hektish told me to eat it. And who is liable? The Mishaleach, the one who sends. So that just seems to be an exception to the rule. Tosas has an answer. Concerning Me'ilah, this prohibition of theft from God, as it were, the liability, the one who sends is not liable because of the pleasure of the agent, not because this guy enjoyed the bread, but rather through the picking it up. Before he eats it, he picks up the loaf. As soon as he picks up this loaf of bread, the Gizbar, the, the treasurer of Hector, says, Hey, why don't you eat this loaf of bread? Take it. He says, Oh, thank you so much. He picks it up. Now he is picking it up. He's already acquiring it illegally from Hektish. It's a type of theft. As soon as he picks it up, that's the point at which the Gizbar, in this case, is liable. So it's not for the Hano. Tosas is saying, We still never found that one person drives benefit and the other person is liable. The liability takes place earlier before the benefit at all happens, as, as soon as he picks it up. So it's not an exception to the rule. Amna Mesubak Hayari. The Ri is not sure. Ri, from the greatest Balaitosus, is unsure about this point. The Hoshi What if he didn't say, take that loaf of bread and eat it? He says, dunk your hands into that barrel of oil and enjoy the anointing of this oil. So the Gizbar is tricking this unsuspecting guy. And there is no Hagba, there's no Kenyan. The Hana happens as soon as he dunks his hand into the oil. So the pleasure is simultaneous. The Ri says, what are, what are you going to say over there? Oh, Sheval, Urz, Shalhekish, Orphe says, sit down on these luxurious skins that are owned by Hektish. Oh, Ischamin Begizeola, or warm yourself up with the pelts of an elevation offering. And the one who was being sent to do it had no idea that it's owned by Hektish. Doesn't know that this is sanctified, that it's owned, specifically consecrated for God. Here, in these cases that the Ri is asking about, he is being sent 
to enjoy, not to, to take the loaf of bread. And, and at that point, there's a liability. He's sending him to enjoy it, whatever it is, the oil, the skins. In that case, will you say that the Gizbor is liable? Do we say that he's liable because it's like Me'ilah, classic case of Me'ilah, where he sends him to take the bread? And of course he eats the bread, but do you say the liability takes place before the, the pleasure, when he picks up the loaf? Or you say, no, we have a rule. We never find that one person is liable and the other person is, is deriving the benefit. He can't be on the hook for the other guy's benefit. The Ri says, I don't know. It's Masopic. Yeah. <laughs> and I repeated it in my head for a couple of times, but let's just say my let's just say for argument's sake, not not reality, but my wife said, There's three things I don't want you to do. A, B, and C. Right? And me, the first three things I, I did when she went away was A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. Where does that fit into this? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> a smart man wouldn't say it. <laughs> um, You're in trouble. <laughs> that's that's a, a good question, certainly. Uh, you probably have to ask her. <laughs> Not a good but idea. I can't reveal the ABC, but I didn't really do it. I'm just, hypothetically. Hypothetical. Of course, of course. <laughs> I mean, am I supposed to enjoy it? That's the question. Are you supposed to enjoy or... it? Or... <laughs> I'll tell you, in Nevardic, the altar Nevardic said that there's a time when a lot of people were leaving Torah Mitzvahs. And unfortunately, it was happening in yeshivas, not just people that were not learned, people even that were connected to the Torah world. It's a terrible era. He said, one thing I could tell you special about Nevardic is that no matter what, even when they go out and do an Avera, the Musa that they took from Nevardic will never let them enjoy it. They'll eat the chazer, fine. They're never going to enjoy it. They're always going to feel pangs of conscience that they know that, they, that they're doing an Avera. So that, that's a mile in of itself. So. And the Rabbi Yisrael Salanta, he was dealing with people that were very assimilated, unaffiliated. And supposedly, they, they knew enough that if they were eating non-kosher in a non-kosher restaurant, that was not really what they were supposed to be doing. That they knew. And he walked by, and uh, they were a little bit embarrassed. So he said, uh, how's the food? He said, well, Rabbi, if you're asking, it's, it's really good. <laughs> we really like it. He said, oh, that's good. I'm so happy to hear that. You know, if, if you didn't enjoy it, if you weren't really you know, driven to take it. I'm not saying I did so. So then, so then, that would be a mumar lahachis. That would be sinning gratuitously. But if you're drawn after it and it's you enjoy it so much and you really rather not do it, but you can't give it up, at least that's called mumar leteovon, and that's a much smaller sin. So I'm glad you're enjoying it. Everything was <laughs> right. Of course, of course. So the re says he's not sure. The re says he's not sure. The rule the Gemara says is we never ever have a case where the one person who 
who sends another to do a sin is liable for the other person's pleasure through that sin. Now let's, let's look back at what happened by the Nachash, the first Masis in history. He knew he's got to give good drasha, very big darsh in the Nachash, and he's got the food laid out, right? whatever it was, he's got some gishmaka food over there, ate sadas, so it talks about how tantalizing it is from this angle, that angle. Enjoy it, enjoy it. He keeps on pushing, enjoy it. And before you know it, Chava's in. Then she starts beating Adam up. He's in. And all is for fallen. It's the end. Now, the Re says, What's going on over here? Where's the liability? Is the Nachash liable? Did he really deserve to have? His legs chopped off. He didn't enjoy that fruit. He just told them to enjoy it. Should he be held liable when they enjoy that fruit? The Ri says, I'm not sure. Well, if the Ri is not sure, if Tosis is not sure, so perhaps God didn't want to ask the Nachash because it's a pretty decent defense. So he just chops off his feet without asking him, what have you done? Because the Nachash is very clever and bring in this Tosis and say, what do you want from me? The Ri says, at least on one side, he's not sure, so you want to punish? For a tosis is misopic, give me a break. That's what I'm supposed to know. Exactly. <laughs> the Ri doesn't even know. So continuing on the theme of family relationships over here, the Torah then tells us a bomb. Really something that is earth-shattering. You are sons to the Lord your God. Whoa. It's pretty major. Sons to the Lord your God. And daughters, mind you. Children to the Lord your God. There's more than one. Yes, bonim. <laughs> yes. That's right. More than one. That's a good question, who's included, but it's, it seems to be pretty broad. It's not one. It's, it's addressing Al-Kopan and the Jewish people. That is not a question. Some say it's Dafka Yidin. One could argue that it includes anybody as Tzal Malkim, any human beings. We do find that the Jewish people are called Bini Bechari Yisrael. My son, my firstborn son, Israel. Well, that means it's a firstborn, it's a big family. Lots of sons. So it's a big family. The Torah delineates various, almost different nations, 70 nations. The Torah here is addressing Jewish people, and it tells us about this relationship. Bonim Atem, you are sons. What is the import of this passage? We saw, Kenafshecha, Recha, your son, your, your best friend, your, your friend like your soul, is Avicha. And who is our father? God. Like our, like our own soul. We are like his soul. The Rabbag says, The 
Nimshal over here. What is the idea behind this? The, the parable of us being the sons of God is that just as a father is concerned with his son, total hashgacha. He, like we talk about hashgacha, divine providence. The divine providence for us is like how a father guides his son. Total providence. He is entirely concerned with guiding his son. Does not leave things to chance in any way whatsoever. That's what Bible says. Yes. Is he talking about each generation that comes around? That there is somebody, let's say, I mean, is it a generation thing or is it just forever thing? Well, it's it's timeless. The Torah is addressing all of us. Like the generation of a certain generation is a certain thing, a guy, a person, or that works through that. I, I, not just one generation. It's, it's addressing all of us. Meaning, the, the same verse, the continuation of the verse says, Lotus Godu, you're not allowed to, to slash uh, a person, it's not allowed to slash their skin in, in an expression of mourning or for idolatry. That is talking to us just as much as it was to the generation that received the Torah. So, that this first part of the verse also, talking to us as well. The Balaturim. It says, Bonimatem, Pazde ye shnemasar tables, Kneget shnemasar shvatim, Shnikru bonim lashem. He says it's talking about the 12 tribes. It's the Balaturim. Who's included? Right before this verse, we have a description of God giving mercy. God will imbue us with mercy. Baltrum says, This is followed up immediately, or almost immediately, by the verse, Banim Atem, you are sons. To teach you, anybody who has mercy, and exhibits this mercy, directs it towards other members of humanity. God will be merciful upon him, merciful like a father to a son. So if a person wants to have divine mercy in a way that is like a father for a son, we have the recipe over here, Baltorm says, that a person has to rachmonis on the brios. Really, it's coming from a Gemara in Shabbos, Kufnun Aleph, Amid Beis. Baltorm adds one element here that's not explicit in the Gemara, though. He adds a clause that is a bit seemingly superfluous. That anyone who has mercy and is merciful on people, God will be merciful on him like the father over the son. Just say, anyone who's merciful on people, towards people, then God will be merciful to him like a father to a son. Why does he start with saying, anybody who has mercy? What's, what, why is that significant? 
how else is he going to be merciful? Doesn't he have to have mercy to be merciful? Again, the Gemara doesn't mention that Nakuda, that part. That's about Turim adding this. So, Lachar the Balaturim is telling us something about the type of kindness that we're describing. A kindness that comes from the heart. He has to be filled with mercy and experience that mercy and have it manifest in his interactions with other people. It's not that he mechanically does something that is merciful because he calculated that this is what he should be doing and decided to act on it. We're not talking about a, a person that is merely doing Trokonomai uh, is just a dry act. That is not adequate to merit the mercy of God like a father for a son. Not that it's a bad idea. Somebody doesn't want to do it and they do it anyway. They did the right thing. Wonderful. But to have this game that the Gemara is talking about, Shabbos, Kufnan, Alpha, and Bey, the Baal is telling us you need more. You have to have your heart in it. You have to be Mishiach Lo Rachamim. He has a mercy in it. This is manifest through his actions towards others. Not just that he does it without the feeling. He has the feeling and, and does it. That's when he will gain the mercy of God like a father over a son. Ivan Sota tells us some interesting stories about the relationships between fathers and sons on Mentes Meralef. Tanya, Rabbi Shimon Alazar Omer, Tara, Batla, Tamrech. Without Tara, so flavor and aroma were nullified. Consequences of exile. Maiser, Dalshuman, Dogon. Without the tides, so there's a loss of the richness, the fat, of the grain. Rav Huna Ashkach Tomrasa, Dechinonisa. Rav Huna found a particular type of date, a very special date. Shakla, and he took it. Karcha Bisudra, he wrapped it up in his handkerchief very nicely. Very beautiful, delicate, exquisite date. Also, Rabbo Bray and his son Rabbo came. Amar Lei, Murchino Reicha, Dechoninisa. Rabbo, the son, says to his father, Ravuna, What is that I smell? That is a wonderful, unique date, special, this particular varietal, amazing date. Dechoninisa. Says, my son, you have purity within you. Such a good sense of smell. Wow. You can discern precisely what that smell is. That is coming from Tara. Purity. High five. Good job, son. Very proud of the son. We find that the sense of smell is the most spiritual sense. If you look at, going back to the Mesis, the Nachash Akadmon, the first... Enticer, he 
tried to lure Chava with the senses other than smell. He didn't say, take a sniff. The sense of smell was left pure and not tainted with the enticement of the fruit of the tree of knowledge, good and evil. There's a sense of tar, of purity. We find it elsewhere also. Yitzchak says, Rech the scent of my son, smells like the apple orchard. Delicious fragrance. Is the Rech of Ganeden. So, Rav Huna is impressed with his son Rabba. He says, wow, you have this purity to have such a discerning nose. Yovaneli. Okay, I was going to have it. I wrapped it up. But you have the Tara. I'm giving it to you. Gift from father to son. Adahachi asa Abba Bere. While this is going on, now the grandson comes in. Abba. Abba, the grandson. Next generation. Shakla. Yavaneli. And after the son took it, he passed it off to his son. He took it from his father and gave it to his son. This is while the grandfather is watching. And he says, Amalei, Bani, my son, Samachta Slibi, you have gladdened my heart. Rashi explains, what's the gladdening of my heart? Betaroscha, in your purity. I was really proud of you. Such nachas. However, Bikisa es but you have blunted my teeth. Why, Rashi says, I see that your love is on your son more than on me. Because you took it for me and gave it to him. I wanted to have it. Okay, you're very special. You're a pure guy. Fine. But if you're not having it, so give it to me. <laughs> I'm giving it to him. So he was a bit miffed. Haina Damrinch, the Gemara says, that's what people say. This is not an aberration. This is to be expected. It's the way of the world. The mercy of the father is on his son. And the mercy of the son is on his son. It goes one direction. That's the way it works. That's just what to expect. So, that is the Gemara. You don't know the nature of things, what to expect. There's a little bit more in the parish I want to get to about the mitzvah of tzedakah. A lot about tzedakah in the sixth parasha. Let's just look at the tour in Simon Reish Nun. Kama nosen la'ani de machsara. Verse in this week's parasha says, that which is lacking to him. You're supposed to give a poor person what he's lacking. Give him what he needs. Kate said, how does this work? If he's hungry, and he needs to eat, give him food. If he needs a garment to cover him, give him a garment. He's missing appliances, whatever is furniture that he needs. Help him out with that. And this is even if he normally rides around on a, a jaguar or a horse, whatever he rides. He needs uh, an attendant, a butler, a chauffeur, whatever he needs. 
Yeshaya Asher, when he was rich, and now he lost his money. That is also included in tzedakah. It's not the highest level, but it's also tzedakah. It's what he's lacking. He has a certain standard of living. He's used to these things, and now he's fallen on hard times. doesn't mean that he's going hungry, literally, but he misses what he used to have. So if you help him out and get him the chauffeur and get him another lease on the next Jaguar, so you're helping him back to standard of living, that is tzedakah, as a kiyum of asher yachsar lo, what's missing to him. And so to each individual, look for what they need. It says further, Ein lo isha, Rashi quotes this, he doesn't have a wife, Bolisa, and he's looking to get married. Masin lo isha, that's asher yachsar lo, it's missing to him in the most personal sense. That is a kiyum of tzedakah. The tour continues. Somebody who's poor going door to door. For such a person, you don't have to give him a big gift. Give him something small. He's going door to door. Contribute in some way. Doesn't have to be major. But you're not allowed to send the ani away empty-handed. If he asks, and he's poor, He's going door to door. Participate. Don't send him away empty. A few el achas, just even one dried fig. Give him something. Shinemar, as the verse states, don't send a doch Don't send the one who is is downtrodden in shame. The story with the brisk rav, with another gadol Yisrael, that some ani pushed in, you know, tzdaka, tzdaka. He was getting aggressive. And the brisk rough said, get out of here. The guy was shaking a little bit, he left. And the other gadol asked him, he said, what do you do about the nifsak and halacha, that you have to give him something, derive fig, something, why are you sending him away? So the brisk quoted a pasik. Pasik says in Mishlei, the way that one who is destitute speaks is in a manner of supplication. And a poor person answers with chutzpah. The, the, the rich person answers with chutzpah. But the poor person speaks with supplication. This guy, so aggressive, asking for tzedakah, he's obviously a major gvir. He doesn't need a penny. So he's obviously a rami. He, he's just trying to trick me. So I don't, I don't have to give him anything. I, I already know he's lying. I can tell. Pasuk tells me this guy is not an ani. What about the order of tzedakah? Getting back to family a little bit. First things first, take care of yourself. Charity starts at home. After you have sustained yourself, next, take care of your parents. Your number one priority, take care of your parents. After you've taken care of yourself, take care of your parents, father and mother. That comes before, only after it's take care of your children. Imagine, not like the natural tendency. The natural tendency is to take care of your children first. That's not the halacha. The halacha is take care of your parents first, and then take, take care of your children. Remarkable. Does that, that apply to your mother-in-law too? Mother-in-law? No. So, mother... Mother-in-law would be... Our mother-in-law would be... That would be her mother. Mother... So, it, it, for the woman, it's her mother, that's correct. So, she has tzedakah. But there is a... The... The Nosekel and Shulchan Arach, I think Taz, if I'm not mistaken, says that there's a Derabanan, we find that there's a chi of covid to one's in-laws, 
Darabonon, at least a minute. So there is a certain care over there. Certainly, halachically, there's a rias. There's, there's considered a familiar, familial connection by virtue of the marriage. It's mistaber that is called she'er, it's called family, for this purpose as well, at least to a degree. What, where is this coming from, by the way? How does the tour know this? Who told the tour? The, the Prisha says, Dirsiv Gabi Yaakov. Concerning Yaakov, it's written, and we shall live and not die. Also us. Also you. So, as Yehuda speaking, we will live and also you. Also our children. So in, this, in the order of who will live, how is the, uh, the appropriate determination of who should get first, second, third? First person takes care of himself. Next, also you. Yaakov, their father, father is next. Also our children, that's the third in the order of what a person needs to spend their money on taking care of their children after their parents. That's a raya from the Torah to what the Torah is saying. First yourself, then your father and mother, then your children. Maybe I missed something, but does that make sense to take care of your father and mother before your children? It's not the natural, intuitive thing to do. A person would be more inclined to take care of their children first. That is what the Torah says, based on what the verse says, that Yehuda says, we will survive by getting these uh, the food from Egypt in the famine. It was dangerous. They needed to eat. We will, and you. He's addressing his father, Yaakov, and then he gets back to his children, the our, our children, that the priority is in that order. Person has to take care of themselves, then the father, then the children. Yeah, what do you think? You're kind of giving meiser to, your, to yourself. The Aruch Hashem says no. Well, not when you say meiser. Meiser is is tzedakah. Let's say you can't afford to give it, but you still, still, if you want to, if you want to get the bracha of aser. So he could be mitzamtim. Even if you can't afford it, he could be mitzamtim. When you say can't afford it, if you, you're not paying your bills, even an ani who takes tzedakah <clears throat> needs to give some tzedakah. And Shulchan Aruch says there's a minimum amount he has to give. Ten, ten percent. If he's starving, he's not allowed to do that. He has to even take tzedakah, so it doesn't help him to give and to, and, and to take. But it happens to be that an ani, not miser, he has to give a minimum amount every year, like Shulchan Aruch says, not miser, a small amount. Just he has to give something. But that's that's the the baseline. In, in halacha, even a poor person has to find, there's usually someone more poor than him, unfortunately, and he has to get. The paradigm of, of chesed is rivka, and we see that the, Eliezer in his discussion has God brought him success in finding a wife for Yitzchak. He asks, Ha'itzliach Hashem Darkas, God brought success to his path, will it be the complete good and kindness through this marriage? Imo, or not? If it's not, what is he worried about? That there is some anticipation of reward. What does that mean? That's not the chesed gomer. Chesed gomer is without any anticipation of reward. Yes. The reason why I'm raising my hand is because, okay, there's no father-in-law, mother-in-law, uh, there's only one a mother, it's my wife's mother, 
and he, she's visiting, and in the morning she wrote, I want to come back home already. And in my mind, I'm figuring out all this stuff, oh, you know what, to do something, a mitzvah that you don't like to do is even greater than the mitzvah that you're happy to do. Does that have to do anything with this over here? No, this, this is a true question. So, Because so I was going to say, I was going to call my wife up and tell her the whole philosophy. I said, no, don't say anything. Just... And, then, and then she called me and we talked a little bit and that was it. But, you know, I didn't give her my whole spiel that I figured this mitzvah would be so much higher than a mitzvah that you're not suffering with. Ish. Higher than a mitzvah you're not suffering with? Not suffering, but a, a mitzvah that's like, it takes a little bit of punishment, a little bit of pain to do. As opposed to a mitzvah, hey, saying a bracha of a hot dog, Come on. Okay, well, Lafum Tsar Agra. That's says, what I'm saying. In, a, in accordance with the challenge is the reward. It could it's be it's a challenge. You could call it a labor of love. If it's a labor of love, fine. But in accordance with the difficulty is the reward. The, the, the idea that's being described about Rivka, who's the, the paragon of chesed, of kindness, is that she had no anticipation of reward whatsoever. It was so natural for her it wasn't even that she would give herself a pat on the back. Look what I did. Even to herself. That's what I'm glad Chaim, I didn't say anything. That's what Chaim Vesakar said. Chaim Vesakar. Uh -huh. Chaim, Chaim Fassman's Rebbe. He said, on this Pasuk, no anticipation of reward in the slightest, even to herself. It was so natural, intuitive, that kindness that she was doing, just overflowing from who she was. That's the, the ultimate. Sad HaTova Chesed HaGomor. That's the complete living chesed. So that's, that, is, that is what we should strive for. That is what we should strive for. And in, in a similar vein, we, we see, Bonim Atzim Hashem Lokechem, your sons, Lord your God, we have to be sons. It's obvious God is our Father. Om Chesed Iban, His kindness to us is with zero anticipation that He's going to gain from it. There's no gain from God. He, we can't give anything to Him. He's not lacking anything by definition. It's the pure chesed from a Kaddish Baruch Hu. There's no tikvas schar. That, that is the, the ultimate chesed. Okay, it's getting late. Okay. Shkoyach. Shkoyach. Shkoyach.